Good morning. I'm glad you could be with me today as we continue to look at God's Word together, verse by verse, in the Unfolding the Word ministry. We're in the midst of a study of 1 John, the first epistle of John now, and we're in the third chapter. Today I want to pick up our reading in verse 7 and read through verse 10, a segment we'll be looking at over several days. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now, if you've been with me now for some time, you know that over the last several days, we've been looking at verses 3 to 6, which explain to us that sin at its heart is lawlessness, a decision within ourselves to do what's right in our own eyes rather than what's right in God's eyes as it's revealed in the scriptures. That is the characteristic of humanity, being their own God in that respect. But Proverbs 14.12 told us there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. And so God says, listen, lawlessness, despite any consequences morally or ethically, ultimately leads to separation from God. It's at the heart of sin to resist God's word. Believers, having come to know Christ as Savior, can certainly stumble into sin at times, but they will not be habitually lawless. They will not keep on sinning as a habit pattern of life, because a habit pattern of continuing on in sin proves, as we ended with yesterday, that one has neither seen nor known Christ seen in the sense of understanding truly who he is, and known in the sense of having responded to that by receiving Christ as Savior, resting in him, and growing in that relationship. Now let's build on this issue of, because the passage itself does, of what it means to be a believer, and why as a believer you will not continue in that lawless lifestyle as a pattern of life. A fact that we encounter in verse 7 is that those who have come to know Christ, and again, that's the distinction for those who haven't seen and known, but those who have, those who have come to know Christ have a desire within to live like Christ. The redeemed find within themselves a desire to grow in righteousness. In uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17, we're told that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The new birth, following our faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ, has fundamentally changed us. As Romans 7 puts it, we now find within the deepest level of our life a desire to keep God's word, to love the Lord. Our relationship, therefore, with sin in rebellion against God in all of its forms, is fundamentally different. <clears throat> We're not yet perfect in our practice, of course, 
That's the reason we saw in the first chapter and the second chapter, believers can stumble. That's the reason we've been looking at that reality in the preceding verses in the third chapter. We're not yet perfect as believers here and now in our practice. In Philippians 3, Paul talks about that and he says, listen, not that I'm already perfect or I've already obtained this, but I see where God wants me to go. I press on toward growth. We are not perfect in practice, but fundamental change within us due to the new birth makes it so that we are practicing to be perfect. <laughs> not perfect in practice, but practicing to be perfect. We are seeking to grow. That's what following Christ is all about. That's what it means to be a disciple. It means to be striving to grow. None of us will do that perfectly, of course, but God says that's a basic fundamental orientation change in the life of a believer. The true child of God who has seen and known Christ is inclined to grow. They still stumble, but growth is the heart goal. When you have someone who says, well, I have no interest in growing, then you have to say, well, have you really seen and known Christ then? <laughs> because this is a change that God makes within you. If you say you don't have it, then this is a reason for concern. He makes a warning here. Let little children, let no one deceive you about this. <laughs> God says, listen, be wise because there's a lot of deception surrounding this issue of desiring to grow in the, in the outcome of a new heart, a new life, a new birth is a believer. Don't let anyone lead you astray. And of course, even saying it that way, God is giving us a warning. He's saying, listen, many will try to lead you astray on this very point. Don't be led astray on this truth. Sometimes people will try to deceive us because they will try to get us to not have assurance. They will try to undercut our true assurance as a believer. They will make us think that we can lose that salvation that now is ours because of our repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They will seek to make us hesitant to trust God's promises in general, the promise of forgiveness, the promise of reconciliation, the promise of empowerment, the promise of growth. They will seek to undercut our proper assurance. So sometimes that will be going on and they will generally look at a stumbling in our life and interpret it as a life pattern. And then they will take these truths that we've been looking at in 1 John and twist them so that the very presence of a stumbling in your life is intended to make you think you're not saved. So understand that is going to be pervasive. There will be those that will seek to confuse us at that point. God warns us ahead of time about it. But the scripture also goes on to show us here that not only will people try to be deceiving us to undercut a proper assurance for the child of God, but people will try to deceive others to provide an improper assurance to those that have no reason for it. They will try to tell them that, listen, becoming a Christian is just something intellectual in your mind, some something that you did. Maybe you, maybe you pray this prayer. Maybe you go forward in this meeting. Uh, the idea of turning from rebellion against God, the idea of repentance, the idea of faith, the idea of seeking to grow. You don't need to really do all of that. That's just adding to what Jesus did. And so there'll be a strong message to try to make people 
feel assured of acceptance with God short of repentance and faith. Such deceivers will be pervasive. They will have as a goal to stop people just short of doing what they need to do to actually be saved. So do you see the contrast? Deceivers will work to make those who truly are saved feel insecure in God's acceptance of them. And deceivers will try to make those people who are not saved think they are. <laughs> so no wonder God says, listen, little children, let no one deceive you. <laughs> be wise. Understand deceptions are going to be there. A decision to follow Christ without a consequential discipleship in someone's life, the determination to grow as a disciple, is a contradiction in terms. And therefore, <laughs> there is a reason why an individual not growing should not have much assurance that they should come, that they truly come to know Christ. Now, where is all this deception coming from? And the answer to that in these verses I read to you, and we're going to look more at it here, give us a clear answer. And that is, the devil's the source of all of that deception. He is the source of all false teaching, ultimately, because false teaching furthers his aims. What are those aims? Well, his aim is, if you've been saved... If he's not been successful in keeping you from getting saved and hearing the gospel and responding to it, then he wants you to feel very uncertain about that salvation. And at the same time, if you're unsaved, he wants you to think that you are saved so that you will not repent and believe. Turn to Jesus Christ, his Savior. He is the master deceiver, the liar from the beginning, as John 8 describes him. Now, tomorrow, join me, and we're going to look more at these verses as they introduce us to this enemy of our soul, the devil, and his intentions to deceive us about these all-important truths. Well, join me then. God bless.